Welcome to a new episode of the Educationalist Around the World podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Jo Stroud as my guest. She is head of online learning at University College London, but more importantly, she is a dear friend and former colleague and an educational developer I thoroughly admire. Jo joined UCL Digital Education team in 2017, having held learning technology positions at both research-intensive and teaching-focused higher education institutions. She has a cross-institutional responsibility for online and distance education in its many forms, providing guidance relating to online pedagogies and learning design. She also leads on development of online short courses, acting as service owner for the public-facing learning environment UCL Extend, and managing UCL's relationship with free online course and MOOC provider FutureLearn. She has coordinated the strategic, pedagogic, and developmental components of UCL's move to online teaching as part of its COVID-19 response. Okay, so welcome to this podcast, Joe. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, we can start maybe by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and your story, how you ended up where you are right now. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for inviting me to, um, to to speak to you on the podcast today, Alex. It's a delight as ever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, my name is is Joe Stroud. Um, I'm the head of online learning at UCL, which is University College London. Um, I've been working in digital education since uh, I think 2009 or 10. I'm not. Not 100% sure. I think it must be 2009 now, because um, it's definitely more than a decade. Um, I've had uh, a range of different roles. Um, so early on, you know, more of a learning technologist role, working in, in, in blended uh, education, and then um, about uh, six or seven years ago, I sort of moved over to um, fully online learning. So I, I, I began my career. Um, in, in this area at Sheffield Hallam University. I work with Sheffield University quite closely as well. Um, I moved back down to London, to the London School of uh, Economics. Then I moved to the London School of Hygiene and, and Tropical Medicine after that. And then I moved to UCL in, I think, 2017. So I've been been here for about four years um, at, at, at this point. So I've had a range of different roles, mostly focused on blended learning, moving to online um, learning and that's kind of where I am um, now. In terms of how I fell into this area, because I think a lot of people do fall into it, um, it's probably changing now given that the um, the sort of dis- the discipline has grown so much, but certainly more than a more than a decade ago people were just finding themselves in in this space. Um, I was a um, computer science dropout um, I ended up with a film degree and I worked as a graphic designer for a couple of years after I, um, after I graduated, uh, and I couldn't stand it. It was not, 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 not the job for me. And I quit and I was temping in, in a university for a while. And then one day on the, on the sort of university jobs board, I saw, um, a position for an e-learning assistant and I read the job spec. And I thought, you know what, this has actually got quite a good, uh, well, there's a, there's a, a, a balance of skills listed here. And I think that it addresses the ones that I have really, really well. So there's a, a technical slant to it. There's a sort of communicative and creative slant to it. And that kind of sounds like me. Um, and so I applied for it and I got an interview and I didn't get it. 
But then they called me about three months later and said somebody else who was doing the um, um, doing one of the other jobs that we've got has just left. And we spoke to you and we really liked you. And do you want to come and do the job? And I said, OK. Um, and then, yeah, all of those other jobs. I'm, I'm here many years later, um, still doing roughly the same thing, really. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've always felt that this area um, sort of complements the skill set that I have. Um, and certainly when I work with learning technologists, I always think that the best learning technologists are people who are generalists to an extent, people who can listen to a problem that's in front of them, not too techy, not too uh, pedagogically minded, but somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I think that's probably the, the sort of best skill set to have. Thanks a lot. This sounds really like a fascinating story and it feels like you actually fell on the right path. Um, mm. It sometimes happens like this, uh, sometimes more serendipitously or, or by mistake sometimes, but uh, it does feel like uh, the set of skills we gather along the way leads us in the end to, the, to, to, to a suitable position. What is it? Maybe tell us a little bit more about your current position and what, what yeah. you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I've been at UCL for um, just over four years at this point. I've been responsible for fully online or, or distance education um, the, the entire time. Um, but what we what we found certainly prior to the pandemic was that um, distance education at UCL was a very small proportion um, of, of our existing uh, programs. We've got something like three to four hundred um programs in total at UCL and we had something like 10 like 10 of those were were, were were distance education so yeah within our academic provision it was a very small sort of nascent form of delivery albeit growing um where we did quite a bit more work was in the short course space so we have a sort of dedicated public facing um platform called UCL extend that is predominantly online and uh, blended uh, short courses we've got a good few hundred of, of, of those there but yeah prior to the pandemic it wasn't something that was being you know strategically supported at UCL it's very much a campus-based um, very traditional research intensive institution um, and you know as, as loud as we tried to shout about the possibilities and um, you know um, new markets and things that we could access with online education it wasn't really what the institution wanted to do um, but then obviously the pandemics happened and the entire universities had to move online overnight. And suddenly, you know, the whole place has been very interested in, in, in what it's possible to do in the online space. And, you know, now, even as we start to um, migrate back towards something that looks like normality for the institution, I can see that there's going to be a huge amount of interest in offering um, online programs and modules and, and short courses and potentially new forms of qualification um, as, as well. So in terms of the way that my role has changed, um, I was previously a sort of senior learning technologist looking after um, the, the existing online provision. Um, I was promoted to, to head of online learning um, uh, near the start of the pandemic, actually, um, and have had a, a, a decent number of people added to my team um, subsequent to that and we'll have some more vacancies and things coming up soon so yeah finally the institution has woken up a little bit to what's going to be possible in the future and I think we've now got a really good team of people in place who can who can who can make that happen and work with staff who have a lot of enthusiasm um, for, for designing online courses. 
Thank you. This sounds really positive, actually, and really hopeful, um, uh, re especially regarding the institution having woken up. Um, I like to hear those things. Uh, unfortunately, we don't hear them often enough. Uh, so I like the idea that the structures are being are started to be put into place. Um, and uh, of course, you already answered the question I was having for later, how the pandemic impacted your work. You already explained that uh, quite extensively. And I It does echo really with my experience as well. Um, having worked with, with uh, uh, e-learning, with online learning for, for quite a while now, more than a decade myself, uh, it does, uh, you know, with its bringing into the, the limelight in the past year, uh, our work definitely has, has shifted. And uh, I would say also there are, there are positive aspects to it. So um, I think, I hope we can focus on, on that, on, on those aspects uh, in this podcast. So what I would like to ask you now, um, as a follow-up of what you've been uh, um, explaining about your position is how, more generally uh, for now, how do you see your role? How do you actually interact with faculty? What's your approach when working with faculty in implementing technology and creating designing courses and so on? Um, so I've, you know, in the, in the whole time that I've been at UCL, I've always felt that I'm in a reasonably um, privileged position. Having moved from blended learning which you know tends to be mandated um, at lots of institutions into online learning which tends to be something that people choose to do um yeah I've, I've always been in this reasonably privileged position of, of of being somebody that staff teaching staff wants to talk to um so I've you know I've um I've always quite enjoyed that Actually, I'm working with people who are enthusiastic about the things that I am similarly enthusiastic about. Um, and that's great. So, yeah, in terms of the way that I approach um, educational development with those staff, um, it's it's predominantly needs based for me. I've never been too stressed about it. You know, the, the common thing for people in, in, in educational developer positions is that You know, we run all of these workshops, we run courses and things like that, and not enough people come to them and it stresses us out a little bit. I've always been um, reasonably calm about that side of thing, things because if, if people need the thing that you are offering, they will, you know, arrive to do it. I can give a really good example of that um, in, a, in, a, in a little while. But yeah, because there's no mandate for the kind of work that people come to talk to me about, they want to do it. Um, I tend to be able to meet their needs quite easily. Uh, and the way that I will frequently handle that is just being quite flexible um, about what we can, what we can offer. In my team, um, the, the kinds of support, kind of certainly the kinds of learning design and educational development support that we offer to staff bridges to um, Wow. Two, two main learning design, but a range of other different sort of learning technology areas as well. The learning design areas tend to be focused on um, the sort of means of teaching in the online space, but also designing courses for the online space. I do think that they're, they're, they're pretty different things, actually. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of what we what we tend to focus on. But we can be quite flexible in terms of the range of topics that we offer. Um, People will come to us generally wanting one side of, uh, of of that particular fence. And because everybody in the team is pretty knowledgeable and, again, very enthusiastic about what it is that they're doing, if we can sit down and have a conversation with somebody, we can very quickly do that sort of 
training needs analysis. It's certainly not what we call it in, in our space, but I know that's the, that's the name for it generally. We do that sort of tra training needs analysis um, and we can figure out what people need very quickly and offer it to them. Um, the other side to, to working at an institution like UCL is that, you know, everybody is very capable. Um, and so we have a decent amount of self-service uh, uh, material that we provide that most people will get on with pretty well. And if there's anything in particular that they, that they stumble over or that they need some dedicated support for, um, we can chip in with that. But, yeah, we try to offer sort of scaled um, opportunities or self-service opportunities where, wherever we can and supplement that with the um, sort of more detailed handholding um, that, that somebody might need. But, yeah, so just sort of, sort of sum that up. My approach to educational development, I try to keep things quite calm and clear. It's needs based, it's flexible um, and um, scaled wherever possible so that we can offer the, the, the sort of detailed and, and, and ded dedicated support when that's needed. Thank you. That's very clear. And I, I like the idea that, well, I like what you mentioned, that you work mainly with enthusiastic people and with people mm -hmm. that, you know, independently can work uh, on, on their practice. But I was wondering how, and of course, the, the flexibility is really, really important and um, the mix of um, self-directed and hand-holding uh, mm -hmm. support. Um, but I was wondering how, if at all, the pandemic has changed that or had, has pushed you into different workflows, let's say, and how did you manage that? Uh, and also if you find that the institution was responsive to that and or if there were some 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 issues you, you want to, to refer to. Yeah, so that 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 um um gives me the opportunity to talk about one of the yeah, one of the examples of a, of a development initiative that we put in place during uh, during the pandemic you know because of the scale of the problem facing us um, in sort of April May last year we knew that we weren't going to be able to offer that kind of hand-holding support that we would you know much rather have have put in place you know, UCL is a massively interdisciplinary uh, multidisciplinary institution and what works in terms of educational development in one department or for one program or for one person is wildly different in one place than it than it is in another there was never going to be um, a, a way to cater to everybody's needs at once and so um and so i'm you know i'm i'm based in uh in a central team um, in, in May and June last year, we did not have the faculty-based infrastructure that we, we that we have now. So we had to just try and do our best with the time uh, and the resources that we had available to us. And so it meant that um, we we had to put our heads together very quickly. And as a collective unit, digital education, which is my sort of home, um, much wider team, uh, and and the Arena Centre, which is our um, learning and teaching center we we put our heads together and we rush produced uh, an online staff development course for all teaching staff at the institution um it was called connected learning essentials and it focused on um transitioning what were typically on-campus programs and modules to um to an online context now it was designed with acknowledgement of what it was going to be possible to achieve in a very short period of time everybody felt this last year um, and so it was designed to be completed in under 10 hours. 
Um, it modelled some good practice in asynchronous online teaching. Um, it, it fully modelled that practice in adherence with um, something that we call the connected learning baseline. So these are some sort of fundamental design principles for the online component of, of courses. You know, it was it was a scaled um, at scale learning opportunity that was going to be available to everybody um, across the institution. We had the, uh, we had the course running in two week cohorts from June 2020, um, and we were really proud of the fact that we had around 200, uh, not 200, two um, two and a half thousand um, of our staff work through it by the end of August 2020. Now, individual faculties, like I've said, you know, work very differently from one another. Arts and humanities is going to be significantly different from the, the the Bartlett in its teaching approaches and the Bartlett is going to be very very different from maths and, um, and and physical sciences so we gave individual faculties the opportunity to take the core course uh, and localize it for their specific context um, several of them did take that up adding you know new um, alternative uh, teaching methods um, to it with our support while we made uh, sort of continuous improvements to the uh, to the core course based on the feedback that we were receiving. Um, we opened up that course beyond UCL a month later. Uh, people external to UCL could either access it on our own platform, which again is, um, is UCL Extend, or we provided the course expert to another, not expert, export, um, to another uh, number of other institutions um, as well with, uh, with, with Creative Commons attribution. So, yeah, it was it was it was effectively a course. We got two and a half thousand people through it. Um, and, you know, although we do see marked differences between um, teaching in, in different faculties at UCL and localised support is always going to be the most successful. We didn't have it in place at the time. Um, and Connected Learning Essentials gave staff a very sort of clear framework and foundation from from which to work. Um, last summer, and they've you know they broadly commented that they felt very supported to make a you know an immensely difficult and stressful transition. So you know we were really happy with the way that it went. If we designed it now, it would be a very very different course. But last year, it it did what it did what it needed um, to do, uh, and yeah, it was very successful. Yes, indeed. I think it was the right thing to do at, uh, at the right moment, and uh, also the, the given the circumstances, it was it was a huge amount of work you, you and your team put into it. So I think it was uh, definitely a very good response to to this this crisis situation. Um, I, you mentioned very briefly, and I, I I really want to emphasize this idea of um, centralized support. Let's say uh, complemented by faculty based support, and you mentioned a little bit uh, briefly the structures but I, I maybe wanted to ask a yeah this was one of our really big pieces of, of, of work last year alongside any of the, the, the actual staff development opportunities that we um, we made we you know we had to work very strategically um, as well as at scale and what we ended up doing um, was attempting to sort of improve staff coverage across the institution so prior to, you know prior to the pandemic we have a central digital education team uh, we have uh, 11 faculties at ucl and only some of those had a local um digital education uh, presence um uh, typically that was in uh, places like the medical school there was a small amount of support in the institute of education um 
but most faculties and near enough all departments at UCL did not have anybody to help them. So they would have to come directly to the, uh, the central education team. And, you know, there are, um, there's, 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 there's domain knowledge in faculties, um, in, 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 the, in the sort of pedagogies that they employ that our central team just is never really going to be able to touch. It's, it's always helpful to have somebody um, with at least some semblance of understanding of the discipline in order to, uh, to sort of promote those different kinds of methods. Um, so yeah, we at the beginning of the pandemic, pandemic we recognised that we had to have somebody um, looking after digital education practice in, in every faculty. Um, we did two different things at once. So every department identified at least one connected learning lead. So our whole initiative last year was called connected learning. We didn't want to call it remote learning. We didn't want to call it online learning because it wasn't really giving either of those um, things. We, 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 yeah, we had an initiative called connected learning. We identified one connected learning lead who was a local, um, fairly senior academic champion um, who would work with staff in their department, signpost them to things like the Connected Learning Essentials course, but also be part of um, a centralised network that would work together to surface and solve some of the challenges um, in the move to um, for, for teaching online. So that was some academic representation. The other thing that we did was um, initiate some pretty powerful um, and forward thinking resource planning. So um, we increased capacity in the digital education team, so the central portion to try and tackle some of the very fast moving projects coming our way. But we also secured um, funding for, for um, and appointment of digital education staff in those faculties that had no prior presence in the area. Um, so it meant that there was always someone around um, to try and lead the initiative at a local uh, level. Um, that new network has had, you know, really overwhelmingly positive outcomes that will last well beyond the pandemic. All of the staff who were initially appointed on a temporary basis are now permanent members of staff. They've got really, really good links into the central digital education team. They can report back on, you know, on things that are happening in faculties. Um, and I'm just really, really pleased that we've, um, that we've been able to do that. It's like, like I've said, it's going to have a positive effect for, for years to come, really. And it's something that we've been arguing for for a very long time already. So, you know, th there are definitely positive things that we can draw um, from the pandemic in that regard. Yes, thanks for bringing it to, to, to this. Uh, I actually wanted to ask you uh, at... Um, in terms of legacy, let's say, of the pandemic, mm. it's not necessarily that there are only positives. We, we know that, but you already mentioned a few positives and I think we should stick to that and um, mm. maybe we can split it or let, let's say think first about some institutional legacy so maybe just develop a bit on, on what you just said uh, if, uh, if, if that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, what structures, but also what type of projects and workflows you think will be um, kept or pre pre preserved after the pandemic uh, whenever that ends um, and how do you how do you see you will your work actually in in the next months or years um so we've got um we've got quite a lot of big projects coming through at the moment um, our institution 
well, our, our department specifically, so digital education is based in an IT department. It's been different everywhere that I've worked. Sometimes you're in a teaching and learning centre, sometimes you're in an IT department, sometimes you're in faculty. Um, it's, you know, it's always complicated, but we are based in an IT department. And one of the really helpful things, our IT department, our, um, our new newly appointed CIO instated, uh, just towards the end of last year, that was that we would switch to an, uh, an agile working methodology. Um, I look after, so I'm a product owner for um, what we're calling the education design product um, in that space. And we've got a whole host of different things that we're now trying to enact that some of which have been very, very heavily influenced by the pandemic and others we were, you know, we were already thinking about beforehand. Um, but just to talk through some of those sort of institution level plans in, in, in some detail, you know, we've we have traditionally been a campus-based in, in, uh, university. We will continue to be predominantly that, certainly at undergraduate level. Um, and although we are exploring lots of different changes to the campus, so in you know things like converting classrooms to smaller um, self-service spaces that enable staff to teach synchronously and asynchronously, kind of. Um, sort of multidisciplinarity that I've that I've, I've referenced about UCL already really affects our use and requirements for space um, on campus. There isn't really any one size fits all in that sense. So, what we really have to try and do is prioritise flexibility um, in our in our educational provision, and you know that might mean changes to the campus, but it might also mean. Um, you know, a, a, a continuing reliance on or, or development of our digital education infrastructure. So in my product space, we've got multiple streams of uh, sort of investigative and practical work underway. And that spans things like flexibility for students and indeed our teachers as well, um, whether that, you know, to, to sort of fully blend uh, and switch between modes, depending on what works for a module, um, you know, potential hybridity with teaching of distinct modes of constant mode. I'm never very shy about saying that I'm I'm not very keen on on hybrid personally. Um, and then we've got you know assessment projects on, ongoing as well. But you know we're trying to to take stock from the pandemic and significantly expand our lifelong education provision. We want to be offering greater flexibility to learners across you know their whole lives. University isn't about being 18 to 21 years of age and then maybe doing a master's immediately after that or a few years later universities are there for everybody throughout the course of their lives and we need to try and reclaim um some of that space you know it's not always going to be about doing a master's program we need to start thinking um beyond traditional qualifications like degrees um lo lots of institutions um, elsewhere internationally have made lots and lots of progress with that kind of thing already but you know UCL is now turning its attention to that you know we, we've always had um, quite a bit of success in the short course space and we're starting to think about you know how we can uh, uh, approach these sort of more bite-sized type um, credentials potentially uh, you know unbundle existing degrees stack things up but yeah, offer things that are relevant to people throughout their throughout their lives are applicable to professional practice. Maybe um, uh, you know, target competency-based learning, those sorts of things. You know, we've seen that throughout the pandemic that people are having to change 
you know, change direction um, in terms of their employment, you know, the drop of the hat now sometimes. And we need to be able to, you know, meet meet their needs um, and be agile uh, in the way that we uh, in the ways that we teach. But at the same time, I think that there's huge scope for research based education in that space. It takes a long time to build a degree program. And if we've got, you know, new knowledge that we as a university have have have, have you know, created, discovered, whatever you want to call it. We have new knowledge. We need to be able to translate that to an educational opportunity very quickly. And these sort of short courses, bite-sized forms of learning are a, are a good way to do that. So, yeah, the pandemic has underscored the need for us to become more flexible, and that's what we're working towards. Great. I really like this idea of, of flexible uh, offering and uh, basically trying to, to address the needs of the people or the needs of people uh, across their, their, uh, their lives. So, so beyond uh, formal traditional diplomas, I think this is a really great uh, way to go. And I think this is probably where a lot of universities or most universities should be going, at least uh, learning from, uh, from the pandemic and also from the past years. But um, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what's, uh, what's coming. Um, at least in your space, this seems to be like a very interesting uh, uh, next few years. Um, last question. Uh, this is on a more personal level, of course, based on what you already um, said before. Um, what do you think are, or what do you find to be the most important lessons you yourself learned during the pandemic and what do you want to, to do with them? How, how do you want to apply them in the future? Um, I, I think, like I've mentioned already, this, this, this past year has really underscored the, the need for you to always focus on your audience and their needs when you're designing um your when the, when you're designing courses it's just it's the most it's the most fundamental thing that you can consider when you know that you're going to be working with with adult learners and yeah the experience has demonstrated the validity of that of that theory so you know that that's very very important and i think that we will try to build um more needs analysis more more sort of persona work and that kind of thing into our design um work in 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 the future whether that's you know stuff that we are producing ourselves or that we're partnering with teaching staff in order in order to offer it just means that the courses that we um that, that we bring to people are valuable to them um in in many many ways so yeah that's one thing to um take from the past year i would say on a more personal level it's you know it's it's been unavoidable for the last 18 months but um setting boundaries um in your both your professional and your personal life is extremely important um i think that so many of us who have worked in you know the digital education educational development faculty development space you know in in the last 18 months i think we are all absolutely exhausted at this point in time um you know th that said we've all i think you know a lot of people agree that they've found the pandemic very rewarding in lots of ways as well but we are all so so tired um and you know i think as we start to move on from this we're all going to have to exercise our right to set boundaries within the professional space so that we can avoid the kind of burnout that so many of us are teetering on the edge of now um it's you know that that 
the, the fact that this experience has, has been rewarding is a good thing. But everybody needs to take breaks in order to, you know, maintain any sense of uh, personal creativity and, and motivation and that kind of thing. And I, I hope that people haven't become too used to the sort of velocity um, of of work that they don't feel that they can take those breaks in future when they sort of meaning meaningfully present themselves um to us so you know that's something that i will try to make sure that i do in the next year but i will also try to make sure that my team um does as well you know we need to make sure that we protect our time so that we can offer quality a uh, quality over quantity of work really um I've said quite a few times recently that everybody in universities have worked extraordinarily hard um, over the course of the over the course of the pandemic. People have produced, you know, incredible, outstanding work. Whether they are educating, whether they are administrators, whether they're engaged in in research, um, everybody has a right to be very, very proud of themselves. Ignore what is said in the press about universities haven't been closed for goodness knows how long that sort of thing everybody needs to be very proud of the work that they've done but they also need to ensure that they set quite clear boundaries as they as they previously may well have done just to make sure that they can get back to being at the, the sort of the top of their game um after this experience so yeah a couple of different things there very 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 different from one another but yeah some professional lessons but also some personal lessons as well Thanks a lot, Joe. This is really, really a great message to end with. And I think we should all try at least to, 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 take, to take a moment to breathe before we, we throw ourselves into the new academic year, um, whether or not we had, hopefully we all had a little bit of a break. Uh, but I think it's something definitely to keep in mind now when we're hopefully moving out of the pandemic, but also in the future, um, setting these boundaries and, and, and between the professional and the personal space and also trying, like you said, to prioritize quality over quantity. Uh, of course, a lot of people have been over-enthusiastic uh, and uh, working uh, a lot, um, many, many hours and over time in, in the past year. Uh, and this is great. I think the outcomes were really great. But um, without this time and space uh, for self-care, it's it's really going to be un impossible to maintain. So thanks a lot for putting it in, in such clear words. Well, thank you very much. This has been really, really both informative and inspiring. And um, I really wish you good luck in a very busy future uh, that you talked about and uh, hope to hear from you soon with more achievements. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. And thank you again very much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Lovely to speak to you as ever. Thank you for listening. This podcast is part of the Around the World series on faculty development. You can find more stories on educationalist.eu. Watch this space in the coming months for more inspiration on professional development approaches in higher education from around the globe.